560-KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us. Hope you can spend the next couple of hours with us. If you can't, you can always go back if you're so inclined and uh, grab the podcast at KXNO.com. Coming up on the program in the first hour, Oh, probably 10.30 or thereabouts. We'll get Scott Dockerman from The Athletic in here. We will recap Iowa's spring practice as it came to an end. Their spring practices uh, came to an end on Friday. We'll take a look back at the draft. Uh, Doc with The Athletic there. Uh, 2020 mock draft or draft preview, whatever you want to call it, has been posted. A couple of Hawks in the top 10. Dane Brugler, who's done a terrific job over there and was a great, another great hire by The Athletic. Uh, we'll talk to Doc and pick his brain on his college along with what's going on uh, with the Hawks. Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, Iowa State involved with the NFL draft this weekend. Good to see David Montgomery. I love where he landed as he is now a Chicago Bear. Hakeem Butler had to wait a little bit longer, but he goes with the first overall pick in the fourth round and some free agents. Matt Eaton actually gets a uh, signed an undrafted free agent deal, so he's going to get paid for going to Green Bay. In the 11 o'clock hour, Trent alluded to it. The Iowa Wild tonight, game five of their first round. A loser goes home, winner goes on. Uh, Joe O'Donnell's going to preview it with us at 11.15. And then from CBSSports.com, Ben Kirchival will join us as we will talk draft, uh, college football, and maybe a question or two on the AAF legal troubles that they face as that was uh, in his wheelhouse and that was one of his main assignments at CBS Sports. Trent, your twins are playing well. How was your weekend overall? Oh, thank goodness for the Baltimore Orioles. They stink. And uh, yeah, three-game sweep out of the twins. Here what? come the Astros, Trent. It's going to be a little bit different now. <laughs> it's the Astros filed by the Yankees and we Ooh. know... Now, that's not till tomorrow, right? They're off today or do nope. they play today? Play today. Four oh, gamer. Verlander pitches. I know he pitches yes. game one. Four gamer. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to see Odorizzi on the other side for the Twins tonight. All right. And uh, taking a close look at that minus 180 with the Astros <laughs> this evening. Uh, a weekend, maybe a throwback weekend for me. It, NFL Draft was mm-hmm. had it on in the background a lot throughout the weekend. I watched a ton of NBA, though. Good. Because I did as well, not probably as much as you. Um, I did, we will get to the uh, Golden State-Houston ending. Mm-hmm. You know, Trent, it's it's a foul. I, I mean, I don't like the way James Harden plays, but when you take away his landing zone, and we saw it in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and it was a gutsy call, and it was the right call at the time, you've got to give the three-point shooter an opportunity to come down and, I don't know what you want to call it, the cylinder that he goes up in. Mm-hmm. you got to give him that. You do? For most players, and especially at the collegiate level, the pros. Do you think it's a different story there? I, I do, and just him in general. Well, I, I get that part. I, I have said for you, as we've been working together, what, four years now, we got to know yeah. each other, and I just... Two of them better than others. You're right. I despise watching. I just hate the way he plays basketball. I know you do. I always told you, just visually unappealing. Mm-hmm. The herky-jerky, the jumping into people. Leg it, kick. I believe it is. it has hurt basketball as a whole. You couple that with yesterday, and I was so excited for that game. And it was a pretty good game. It, it was. It, it was exactly what I anticipated, but I didn't like watching it. I got annoyed watching it throughout because of not just James Harden, but every player on those teams just complaining. 
one after yeah. another, every single call. Mm-hmm. Every time Draymond Green gets hit with a foul, he goes running 40 feet down the floor, hands in his, just can't believe it. But that, that's nothing new to him. This it is. Right. It, this is his M.O. But it is him. Mm-hmm. It is certainly Kevin Durant, one of the most mm-hmm. miserable human beings on this planet. Boy, he's a player, though, Trent. Oh, he's is he a great the best player. player in the game? Yes. Right now he is. Yeah. I think he is, too. Yeah. But I he's just he too. He's a just moody. He's not a fun guy. Another guy that I just I don't enjoy watching yeah. because of the the extras that go along with it. You know, and it's funny about Durant because I've seen him change as well, and I see I, I've seen him change for the. He's got a guard up for sure. Mm-hmm. He's not the not that he has to be the most likable guy, the best interview. Although he did a couple of interviews after the game yesterday and didn't look as though he was. You know, come on, you got what you got another right. question? Let's. I want to get out of here. Um, I think he's changed. You go back to his time in Oklahoma when he won the Most Valuable Player, and I mean, I had tears watching him yes. talk about his mother, mm-hmm. and uh, she's the MVP, and this is my trophy, it's hers, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but, you know, I came away at the time thinking, boy, Kevin Durant's a pretty good dude, yeah. and, you know, off the court, he's he's done some really good things with, with his, you know, with his millions of dollars, but he's changed. He has. The 60 Minutes piece from last week that I talked about, did you ever get around to see? I haven't, No. You know, I listened to all his pieces he did with Bill Simmons, those long 45-minute-hour mm-hmm. pieces, his sit-downs, and it just, I don't know. There's something about him. Chris Paul has always been a complainer. Yeah. I mean, go back to his days in L.A. He deserved to get kicked out. I'm glad he did. Yeah, and on and on and on. I want to just watch good basketball. And this mm-hmm. is what this has a chance to be. What, 75 shots last night for, or yesterday afternoon for the Rockets, 47 of them threes. Yeah, you're right. 74 and 47. 74 so, yeah, Pretty close. Nice inverse there. Yeah. I just... But it can be entertaining basketball, but that took away so mm-hmm. much of the enjoyment for me watching that yesterday is the complaining. We get this many stars involved. This is what the NBA has become. I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't, afterwards, I didn't, boy, that was a great game. Yeah, I, I can't away. wait for game two. Right, it was, yeah. that wasn't as fun as I wanted it yeah. to be. And I want, that's what we want, right? Sports to be fun. I'm with you, Trent. And the, the winter sports, uh, we're down to the final, well, months probably. we got a couple of months left. Or weeks, probably six weeks, whatever. Did you see the early game? Here was my takeaway from it. And I was doing a lot of the uh, Islanders and the Hurricanes. And the Celtics, did they have that proverbial switch? It feels that way, it, doesn't, doesn't it? It, it yeah. sure does to me, too. And, and you saw yesterday when Giannis isn't playing well. Well, they took, they did. They took him out of his game. You got to give Celtics. I agree yes. with you. He wasn't playing well, but the Celtics had a game plan for him. Throwing Horford at him, throwing that it was size. Terrific, by yes. the way. Imagine that, yeah. Al Horford, All right? Hall of Famer. Mm. I know. Mm-hmm. That that thought popped into my mind yesterday. Watched a ton of that one too, mm-hmm. and the comeback in the second quarter out of the Bucks. And Based all. on yesterday's game, yes. <laughs> yes yeah. You look at his career, the totality of it, though. Better than you think, right? Yes. Better than you think. He's going to be one of those guys that is going to be, I think, a long conversation yeah. piece. And look a little deeper. If there's another title in his career before he wraps up, I, I think that's another piece of it there. You know, what, what, what was it? Jalen Brown, he was really good last night. It was just a fun weekend of NBA, which I was surprised in a Game 7 that kind of stunk, but it was at least close, and Popovich at the end. Yeah, no. Get your guys to foul. No, I'm with you. That was that was a bit of a head scratcher, and the Raptors off to a good start, and Kawhi Leonard just, uh, boy, um, 
I don't know what Nick Nurse did to get him going, but uh, he was sure going, no doubt about that. So um, the NBA was good. The NHL was pretty good. The Colorado Avalanche, uh, they tied it up. We've got a game three tonight. The sh- scene between the Stars and the Blue shifts back to Dallas. That series, I think, has got a chance to go seven games. I do. I love these Central Division teams. There are still three of them standing, sadly. One of them's not mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, uh, hockey's been uh, pretty darn good, uh, to, to say the least. Baseball. You know, the Cubs yesterday, Trent, I'm rooting for Tyler Chatwood. You know I am. Yes. Uh, and, and yesterday, now granted, they got, when did he come in? The 14th inning. I, it was 8 o'clock. I'm not missing Game of Thrones. I'm, I, you know, I just was. <laughs> You're one of those. I was. And I don't often turn the channel off a sporting event that I know I'm going to talk about the next day. But there's only four of these episodes left that I've watched the first eight series. Damn it. I'm going to watch this one live. And I did. Uh, but Chatwood had, comes in bases loaded. No wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Extra innings, gets the out, goes on, pitches, finally gets the win, scores the, uh, they score the winning run or the go ahead run, whatever it was. He was uh, he was pushed across the plate as Zobris, who didn't start the game, comes off the bench, has a big double down the right field line, driving in a couple. They need them all as they go up to a three spot in the fifteenth. But you know what I'm seeing a lot of this morning, Trent, and it's a topic that came up a couple of years ago. I was absolutely in this camp that if you get past 12 innings, go ahead and park a runner on second base. I know it's not popular, but it was talked about again here today. Now, luckily for the Cubs, they get a day off today before they face Seattle. They can, you know, everybody's rested, but a 15 inning game and, uh, the Cubbies put one in the win columns. They take two out of three from Arizona. The only one being the professor start on Friday night. And that's another story. How often are we going to get these kind of games? That's always my argument, right? They're rare. They're few uh-huh. and far between. You figure it out and you live to see it another day has there ever been a time where a baseball team has had to fold because they had to play 15 <laughs> well, innings? of course not okay no has there of course not. ever been any significant injury to a pitcher that has come out of something now, like this? i don't know the answer to that there I, might be an example right um but with the flexibility now that teams have with your ability to call guys up mm-hmm. bring an extra guy send somebody down the flexibility Keep going this way. Yeah, it's, it's you know I'm I'm normally old school hardliner. Don't like change, uh, but baseball's had some change and they've had some really good change. I'm okay if they. Nah, I'd like to see them change it. I got to make a stand. Yeah, I like to see them change it after twelve innings. Put a runner on second base. I just think it's man, it might may be, might be a little bit more exciting. Look, the Cubs had their opportunity. They left bases loaded in one inning, and uh, Wilson Contreras got thrown out trying to steal home. I mean, you don't see that very often. Right. Um, trying to steal home, and it was Zobrist at the plate, and he came into the game struggling. I'll give you that. But, you know, Madden called it, and, and hats off to him for trying to do something aggressive like that. And he almost pulled it off, uh, but he didn't. Um, but the Cubs go on and win in 15. Speaking of the Cubs, did you see the report? I uh, tweeted it from our show account, at Miller and Condon. You know, i got to pay more attention to that account. For whatever reason, I never go on there. <laughs> the Cubs... Privately threatening writers who criticize. I saw that. It was a Yahoo Sports report, right? Addison Russell. Yep. I, I saw it, yeah, from Hardball Times, but I'm sure there's a few out there telling him, make it glowing. Ben Bean or something. Bean was the guy that wrote it, I think. I didn't see that yet. Yeah, I saw it. And you know what else I saw? I saw very quickly that went up and Cubs beat writers. Jesse, what's Jesse's Jesse letter? Rogers. Jesse Rogers with ESPN 1000 who follows the team home and away on the road, mm-hmm. um, and, and at home, obviously, shot it down instantly, said never happened. Very quickly after that, David Kaplan, who joins us every Wednesday, courtesy of Centurion Stone of Iowa, 
shot it down very quickly. Cappy said, and I'm paraphrasing again, but that he's criticized him before and never, ever has anyone ever said anything to him. Look, you were a little bit hard on our guy, Addison Russell. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to continue to get the access or if you want to be the guy that we give these breaking stories to, eh, you know, reel it in a little bit, Cappy. Not the case. So I don't know where it came from, mm-hmm. but it was shot down by people that followed the team. I would expect nothing less, though, to be fair from Cap. From Jesse Rogers, though? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that he's not a... Because Cap's going to have a job with the Cubs. Yes, he is. He is going to be the face of their new network that begins next season. Now, it's, nothing's official, and Cappy's not told us that, but we've asked him repeatedly, and yep. he's... You know, he's danced around it. Connect the dots. Sure, of course. It makes all the sense in the world for Cappy to be the, the face of that. He does the pre, does the post. And he'll do the same over there. I and am it, sure of it. Sure. And they're, they're going to have to find a uh, lot of programming. A lot of programming. So No White Sox, no Bulls. And Cappy's show is going to be on there. I don't know. His radio show is going to be a yeah. TV show on, the, on that network now. But, okay, I, I get your but point But, yeah, on Jesse Rogers' part of it, that, mm-hmm. that one, I think, leads even more credence to it. Paul Sullivan, did he say anything? I because he's a long-time beat writer. Right. But even if it was to one media member, and it's a low-ranking one, it's not one of the people we're talking about that I think most Cubs fans have followed the team. No. All these names. But it's the somebody, go-tos. Yeah, if it's somebody on the periphery and that conversation is had, that's a bad look. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. If yeah, the, I don't know, Trent, if I... I'm not sure I'm buying it. Just have, because it was killed, it was shot down so quickly. Okay. Gotcha. It's just... Yeah, it, regardless. You can't do that. No, it's not a good look. No. I agree with you. I mean, can you imagine if you got a phone call? And I don't know, in your career, have you ever gotten a phone call from I or Iowa State saying, lay no. off? no. Nope, never have. Because even as bad at times as some of the things that we've seen out of there, mm-hmm. they know that you can't do that. Now, there's been times when they've said you're wrong, mm-hmm. or they've said... You got the story wrong. You got the story wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but n- and, and never, you know, in, in a threatening way at all. Right. Um, but no, uh-uh. To their credit. To their credit. Now, I'm not sure that that's been, always been the case. Right. Um, but certainly um, hasn't happened to me. All right, let's get to the draft. A couple of minutes on that again. Scott Dockerman coming up at about 10.30. Dylan Moss, we're going to put them in the same segment. We'll do Hawks and Clones in the same segment. We've got probably a little bit more with uh, the Hawkeyes as they finish their spring practice over the weekend. But uh, you're a Bears fan, Trent. Just give me your take on uh, on David Montgomery. And here's why. If I'm a Bears fan, I'm excited about anything. you got to think that that offensive line, he's going to be given a chance to run behind, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Um, you know, I think Iowa State's offensive line is going to be better this year, but it hasn't been all that great shakes, and he's done a lot of his damage after contact, which made him go early in the third round. You know, he seems to be a perfect complement for what they have with Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. Tariq Cohen's a guy that, what, you want to have 12, maybe 15 touches, mm-hmm. you know, in the high end of a game, but you need to have that workhorse. You need to have the guy that you can hand the football in, not just short yardage situations, but a guy that you can rely upon through couple of series, and then Cohen comes in. Oh, I in like him, Trent. I yeah. like Cohen. I, uh, I was a big, big proponent of this. I had some people that don't watch Iowa State, some Bears fans that I know that live over in Illinois, and tell me about this guy, and I couldn't have been more excited. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was a realistic possibility. I didn't think he'd be around when they had the selection, when they jumped up. Because that was their first pick, right? It was, yeah. yeah. And they moved up, though, to get him. I think it's a home run. I, I think it is a perfect fit for what they're trying to do after – Getting rid of Jordan Howard, that bigger back, but a guy... He went to the Eagles? Yes. Yep. yep. Ended up in Philadelphia. I think a fourth-round pick is what they got out of it, something like that. But overall, perfect fit. I think a perfect situation, 
a grinder, a guy that's going to work hard. Trent, he's going to rush for a thousand yards in his career, in, 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 a, in season, a season, at yeah. some point in his career. Completely agree. Health, yep. If it's there, mm-hmm. he is going to be a guy. White hair in the middle. Fits James Daniels, Kyle Long, if he's healthy. And how many times do we hear Matt Campbell relate coaching Kareem Hunt and coaching yeah, David Montgomery? Yep. I mean, we heard, we joke about Ferentz all the time, bringing up Dallas Clark, but. Matt Campbell's got a little bit of that, too. Mm-hmm. And he brought up Kareem Hunt a lot of times mm-hmm. throughout the past three seasons when he talked about David Montgomery. You couple that with Kareem Hunt, the connection to Kansas City. Where did Ryan Pace come from? Mm-hmm. Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's just a perfect, perfect marriage here. It made a ton of sense, and I'm excited about this one. And I have a feeling... A lot of Iowa State fans are going to be uh, buying up those David Montgomery jerseys. No that are doubt also about bears. that. Well, so Dylan Montz covered him for for his entire for David Montgomery's entire mm-hmm. career, and Montz is a Bears fan, so we'll talk oh, to yeah. him coming up here in about a half an hour. I think the voice of Iowa State, John Walters, that's right. his team, right? Yes, the Chicago Bears. Scott Dockerman is a Bears fan. He Morehouse is. is a Packer. Doc is a is is a Bears fan, so yeah, I think this this pick made a lot of people happy. Loved the story on the field, loved the story off the field. Glad mm-hmm. he's getting an opportunity uh, to do so. And then Hakeem Butler, the first overall pick, kind of feel bad for Butler in one in a couple of respects. A, I thought he would go sooner. I think he's in a perfect spot. But he's going to plug in that tape and show his family one day of him getting drafted with the first pick in uh, in, in the fourth round. And they they tricked it up. Did you see the draft at that? that I I, did, I wasn't. No, I didn't have it on right away. So they went out to this, like a shootout at the OK Corral or something to start the draft. You know, they always do these. Once as the draft goes on, they inject more entertainment into it, right? Or they yes. try, and I yeah. don't find it entertaining at all. Um, but it was just there's old man Miller back. <laughs> it just feels out of place that they're trying to squeeze this aspect into it. So they got this gunfight, and then one of the guys that's lying dead on the ground shoots his pistol one more time, and then pulls out the draft card with the first pick in the fourth round. The Arizona Cardinals select from Iowa State receiver Hakeem Butler. I thought. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you're glad you're drafted, obviously. Yes, yes. You're going to have to show that to the family one day. Anyways, maybe I'm making too big of a deal out of it. Good fit, though, in Arizona. Oh, I think so. I Absolutely. mean, they, they are completely restocking the deck of wide Look, receiver. Larry Fitzgerald, I, I'm pretty sure he can't play forever. I, I thought that was the case with Brady, and I'm wrong. Right, yeah. uh, but Fitzgerald's had a heck of a career, and he, he's not going to play forever. Look, Akeem Butler, the catch radius was, was words you heard all weekend long and mm-hmm. on the entire process leading up to this weekend. Best catch radius in the draft. The drops killed him. The yes. drops killed him. Yeah. And I don't know if that's concentration or whatever it was, is. Trent, they solved that. Look out. Look out is right. Because yeah. he can run. Uh-huh. He can break tackles. He's huge. Yes. He I like this pick. I the do. The biggest hands. We talk about his hands, but he has the biggest hands of really anybody there. I, I think it is absolutely a great fit. Josh Rosen moves on yeah, to Miami, right? And a late second rounder for him. You know what? And um, pretty it, good. It was great to see. I don't know if you saw this portion or not, but but Larry Fitzgerald had a charity softball game either Saturday or Sunday, but sometime okay. over the week after the fact that the number ten overall pick last year, Josh Rosen, had been traded, right? And and so Rosen is he going to show up? Blah blah blah. He does. And the fans that were in attendance at, at the ballpark for this charity softball game, they just were 
uh, they couldn't have been more appreciative. Standing ovation, and Rosen said all the right things. He did all the right things. I thought he made the best of an of a, a difficult situation and and handled it like a pro, which he is. So you got that, and we're going to get to the Iowa side of things coming up here with Scott Dockerman. Hooker, Nelson, both fourth-rounders. I, I can't wait to see Nelson. I like this kid. I liked him when he played. Um, Tampa Bay got a good one, Trent. Yeah. And maybe maybe I'm falling into, I like all of them, camp, and they're not all going to work out. But um, I think Anthony Nelson's got a real chance. I really do. And obviously, I hope no fan works out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> With your Denver Broncos. By the way, John yeah. Elway, who I killed uh, seemingly the Monday after every draft that he's been a part of for a while you thought they were gonna get drew lock at 10 i did they got him at 42 or 41 whatever they traded back i thought elway killed the draft not bad i loved his first four picks thought he killed it and and never been i've never said that before so this isn't bronco miller coming out oh there's your bias showing again no no uh-uh. one final thing on on the draft before we get to doc here i uh clicked on there was one of those promoted tweets and it was from nfl.com uh-huh. on twitter presented by and it was some credit card company i think it was clicked on it Every single team, the worst grade that they got was like a B. <laughs> so they did pretty well. They, every 32 teams, like, uh, sometimes you got to be careful what you click. I'm going through them like A minus, A plus, A minus, A. I just scroll then quickly through the rest of the teams. Where I, were those graders when we were in school, right? I know, yeah. Unbelievable. 4.0, here I come. Yeah, you would have been there. Uh, we will take a timeout. We're going to do, in back-to-back segments, we're going to do Scott Dockerman from The Athletic and Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune Hawks and Clones Conversation, the 11 o'clock hour, Ben Kirchival, CBS Sports, and the voice of the Iowa Wild, Joe O'Donnell. We will do that. Right now... It's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword WATER to 200-200 right now. Your chance to enter to win $1,000 cash. That's WATER to 200-200. Standard message and data rate supplied. Doc and Mons coming up next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Fun. Well. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Uh, Miller and Condon here continuing on. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Coming up this segment, we'll talk to Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune. Latest on Iowa State, their two drafted players and some of the free agents and tryouts uh, that uh, the Cyclones will be part of here in the weeks to come. But right now, let's talk Hawks. Scott Dockerman, Iowa finished up their football uh, spring practices uh, on uh, Friday night. The media was allowed in to watch the uh, the spring practice. We'll do that. We'll take a look at the draft. And then want to pick Doc's brain on one of his colleagues, Dane Brugler, who is their draft guy at The Athletic. Of course, Scott is with The Athletic. I think the streak is snapped, Doc. Uh, normally, I think it's been three weeks in a row we've had you on. And we've talked about yet a new addition to The Athletic. Slowing things down over there, perhaps. Or perhaps we'll see more things come out this week. But, Doc, uh, lots of ground to cover with you. Let's do the draft first. We'll get to the spring practice. Uh, we knew that uh, the two tight ends would go early. Were you surprised that Anthony Nelson and Hooker, Mari Hooker, both lasted until the fourth round? A little bit. I mean, the draft is so unpredictable when you have players, well, any players, frankly. I mean, some of them fall, and you just under, don't understand why. And I think in these guys' case, you know, when you start to, to judge the safeties and the pass rushers, you know, it's kind of like, well, what does each team want? You know, I mean, Anthony Nelson is probably a really uh, valuable 4-3 end uh, with a little bit of position flexibility. Um, safety's got pushed down. So it's understandable that, you know, Hooker wasn't necessarily uh, one of the first ones. Um, 
But, uh, you know, getting early in the fourth round I thought was, was key for both of them. It really kind of showed that when teams started stack, restacking their board after Friday night, and they looked at the, at the board and they thought, okay, these two guys are pretty good. Um, I'm surprised that they're still available. And then next thing you know, they're both uh, heading to, you know, Nashville and, and Tampa Bay. And, and I think that was pretty good for them. But then, of course, looking back at, at Fanton Hawkinson and, and uh, you know, I lucked out. I projected them both to both spots, and, yep. and that's how it came out. And, and I think they're both perfect for those two. And I think both teams uh, should celebrate the fact they got both players because I think they'll be terrific for, for both, both organizations. Doc, when you look at the early entries, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant this year, a year ago, James Daniels, Josh Jackson move on early. The changing of the way that the NFL draft is going and guys, many guys uh, declaring much earlier than we've seen in the past. We know Iowa is a developmental program. What needs to change for Iowa, if anything? Or, or do they need to get the clock started, some of their better players earlier? When you look at this for the Iowa perspective, what changes? I don't think anything changes, and I think they should keep doing exactly the same thing as they're doing right now. I mean, to have four guys drafted, you know, two in the first, two in the fourth, uh, that were early entrants next year, I would anticipate uh, multiple players uh, in the same rate. Uh, you know, I don't want to make projections. Who knows what things might happen? But but I, I think that there's probably at least three that have a chance to be early entrants. Um, that You know what? What does that mean? That means the NFL likes your players. And you've got good ones, and they're they're developing at a, at a very quick rate. And and one thing you've no, I've noticed with Iowa, I wrote about it a few weeks ago, is their uh, you know the, their ability to recruit has changed dramatically. And it's not necessarily a stars thing; it's more of a matter of identifying the players that they want, they get, and they develop them a little bit faster. I mean, you you look at uh, now, you know, Josh Jackson probably was the exception. He was a guy that. He was a two-star guy from Texas, the former coach, uh, recruited. He actually recruited to be a wide receiver and kind of uh, took off from there. But when you're looking at, at uh, you know, Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson, two, you know, under-recruited players uh, from the region, uh, they were able to, you know, emphasize what they could do, put them in, you know, and accelerate their, their growth process, and here they are. I mean, I guess they could have thrown the ball more to Noah rather than T.J. and then kept T.J. around, but... Hey, you know, it, it's a commercial for your program, and you've got to accept that. So I think, that, you know, what you just continuously do, and, and I think the NCAA has helped Iowa a lot by allowing freshmen to play in four games. Mm-hmm. Now. Yep. You look back a, a few years ago, I mean, you know, some of these guys, they might have been able to sit them, you know, but now, now you know, like a T.J. Hawkinson, I think back in 2016 when he redshirted, and George Kittle told me this a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, T.J. torched our defense. He, nobody could keep up with him on the scout team, uh, but you know you play him and then you lose him, and and you, you don't really have any idea that this guy is going to only be there three years. But now it's like, well, okay, George Kittle's hurt against Michigan, uh, you know, like in 2016, and all they have is you know Peter Peeker and and uh, you know a very skinny Noah Fant. You can throw in a T.J. Hawkinson now, so I think Iowa should do exactly what it's doing. 
America's doing the right thing. Mm. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic is our guest. Uh, him and uh, Mark Morehouse, by the way, uh, you Hawkeye fans will have a uh, podcast available early afternoon today, the On Iowa podcast. Uh, Doc's going to get to that with Mark uh, here coming up. Uh, so look forward to that this afternoon. Doc, we, we previewed a little bit about uh, next year. Uh, you talked briefly about it, but let's get into it a little bit. Your colleague at The Athletic, Dane Brugler, who's done just done terrific work, and he was a great hire uh, by The Athletic as, as the NFL draft and the prospects and leading up to the draft has become such a massive, massive uh, popularity-wise. I mean, people eat it up. They can't get enough of it. And we're already on to next year, and his uh, his mock draft, he doesn't want to call it that, but, you know, it's more of a guide. He's got two Hawkeyes in the top seven. No surprise on A.J. Epinesa. But, boy, Tristan Wirfs is really skyrocketing, uh, skyrocketing up some boards and opening some eyes. He's a weight room warrior, and he's pretty good in the field in his own right. Yeah, they should. Uh, they should start to look at him because, you know, last year, in watching a lot of his tape, and it's kind of circulated, I noticed, for some draft scouts and what have you, uh, you know, he didn't allow a sack last year, and he, he, he <laughs> hang clean 450 pounds, so, you know, better than Brandon Sheriff. So that automatically tells you that this kid has rare ability. He's got great quickness and great strength. All he needs to do now is put it together in the, the run game, and if you think about it, he's, he's only in his fourth semester in college. So it's not – once he puts it all together, uh, he's going to be – you know, I, I think he's going to be an NFL tackle for a long, long time. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he's at that level. And, but I do think that one guy that is getting overlooked a little bit here is, is Alaric Jackson. And, you know, he's 6'7", 320, uh, great feet himself. You know, he was a basketball player in high school. And, you know, he, he's kind of getting overshadowed a little bit by, by uh, Tristan Wirfs. But he may be one of the best tackles in the country as well. So um, this tandem that Iowa has, is is rare and i don't see maybe anybody in the country having what they have so it, you know jackson will be a redshirt junior Werfs will be a, a true junior i kind of think both of them if they have the years that you'd expect would be available to the draft and then of course aj epineza so iowa's edge is fantastic and that could be that really catapult the hawkeyes into a, a higher level of uh of uh, you know, possibly getting into Indianapolis because of the way those guys will play. So, Doc, you had an opportunity to see the team in action on Friday night. Just one practice. This is just a snapshot, but a chance to at least see these guys in action. Give us a couple takeaways, what you saw out there uh, on the practice fields on Friday night. <laughs> you know, I, I'm shocked considering what I what saw two years ago, just how, uh, how put together the wide receiver core is. I mean, this is a unit that forever, since Marvin McNutt was there, has really, you know, been, you know, just you know, just not very good. And, and I think uh, what I saw the other night was uh, guys executing out of their breaks, guys getting open, finding ways to get open, uh, making great catches. I was very impressed with Nico Reganey, and he's kind of been the spring darling, and sometimes that happens. And, and then, you know, what's he going to do in the fall? And, and we'll wait and see. But uh, – his quickness is evident, and what he's able to do, he's not necessarily, and, and then Nate Stanley kind of backed it up on Friday night, but he said that, uh, you know, he's not as fast as, as Nick Easley, but he's certainly quicker. And if, if you're playing the slot, quickness is everything. You know, just to make one quick move and boom, you're, you're open, and it's an eight-yard gain and a first down on third and five. And, and so I, he, he displays those kind of talents that I think is really important. And, 
you know, part of it, you know, you could look at it and say, well, Iowa didn't have its top two cornerbacks, and, and that's true. I mean, I think Iowa's corners are pretty good, especially Matt Hankins. And, but yet, uh, you know, the, the plays that they made, you know, the, the contested catches, you know, Brandon uh, Smith made in the end zone and, and uh, Nico Regani made in the end zone, to me, just show that this unit's not a detriment anymore. It's actually a positive. And, and uh, you know, so I would take, take that away, number one. Two, I really like the rotation that they've got along the defensive line, and, and that's something going into the spring I was really concerned about with Iowa. I thought that was, that was going to be the make or break. And, you know, Damian Nixon certainly fits the part. I mean, he's a big, wide body doesn't you know he's still got a long way to go from a from a technique standpoint but you know just from the way you look at him he looks the part and and I I like you know the way they were able to stop the run and and then the other part was I like the the secondary and the way that they kind of rotate guys around and and uh, you know they still they're employing that stand-up linebacker you know people want to call it a 3-4 and they laugh about it it's not a 3-4 it's just a stand-up defensive end really you know because the guy's shorter but it really allows them to get better athletes on the field so it's like well Iowa's defense is kind of coming into the 21st century from a schematic standpoint so um there was a lot to like the other night there are a few things I think they need to clean up on but by and large I think this they're better situated after this spring than I've seen them in a while defensively it feels as long as no injuries I mean there's just so many pieces there the move to the four two five. You mentioned the tackles on the offensive side and what those two guys can be. Interior of the offensive line looks like uh, it's it's still maybe a bit in state of flux. The run game, though, overall just has to be better. If I was going to, in this tough schedule, accomplish their goals, they have to be better in the run game, right? That's number one, and it's really there's nothing close to it. I mean, that was the only thing. You know, Iowa had a championship profile for its program, save for the running game last year. I mean, it took them to a game 11 they had a 100-yard rusher, and then they rushed for minus yards in the bowl game and still found a way to win, which is kind of incredible in its own right. But, yeah, I mean, they've got to find a way to, to get better. I think I think there's some pluses in a few areas. I do think they're going to be better at center this year. Tyler Linderbaum is is uh, really caught a lot of people's eyes, and you can really see it. He's very quick. He's very explosive. He's tough. And, and uh, even battling guys like Cedric Lattimore and and Brady Reef, you could see that that he's holding his own. You know, he's got he's still got some room to improve, but he's only a redshirt freshman. Uh, you know, what happens at, at guard? I, I think what having Linderbaum there did was allowed uh, Cole Banwart to kind of solidify the other spot, and you, you'd expect him to make some strides. And then, and then the other spot is uh, up up in the gra- upper air, and I, I think that's uh, you look at Mark Kallenberger. That's probably the guy that they want there because I mean. You know, you would be a fool not to expect that one or both tackles would be gone, and you want that guy who's played some. So Mark Kallenberger could get that shot at that other guard position. But as for right now, it's Landon Paulson, and Levi Paulson replaced Worfs, who had, an, I guess, a little bit of an ankle issue earlier in the in the spring, and but uh, nothing to be concerned about. So, uh, you know, their depth is going to be okay. It's just a matter of can a couple of those interior guys elevate their level of play. If so then it's all 100% on the running backs because 
They've got the edge protected. I think both tackles are going to be really good in the run game, too. Mm-hmm. Scott Dockman from The Athletic. Dylan Mott's here momentarily. About 30 seconds left, Doc. Uh, the kicking game, did Keith Duncan show that he is going to be the guy? Uh, what, what did you see there? As we know, margin for error uh, with the Hawks, uh, very, very small. A lot of these games come down to a field goal. Are they set there? What did you see? No, I wouldn't say set. I think they got a long way to go in that department. I think they'll take that all the way down to pretty much the end of training camp, but I think what I saw was, uh, you know, there was some pretty good accuracy. You know, they weren't missing many or any kicks. I mean, it was, uh, they looked pretty good doing it. Uh, so I don't think it's anything to be majorly concerned about, you know, until they're at Wisconsin at Camp Randall or over at Ann Arbor and the score is tied with five seconds to go. Does he make it or miss it? Uh, so I think that's what you're really going to wonder. Uh, but I didn't see anything that made me think, Oh, boy, they got a long way to go. They're struggling. I, I thought they looked okay. Good stuff, Doc. Thank you. The podcast with Mark Morehouse and Scott Dockerman coming out early afternoon on Iowa. Thank you, pal. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good, good to talk to you. Uh, from the Hawks to the Clones, Dylan Montz joins the program. Dylan, Trenton, Ken, how was your weekend? Yeah, pretty pretty good, guys. How are how about you? Ah, uh, doing fine, and yeah, enjoyed the heck out of it. Capped off by something Trent will talk about Game of Thrones, but anyways, no. uh, <laughs> and it's probably the right move. Let let's get into the uh, recap, the draft, and then I want to you know get the latest on on tryouts as well as guys will have an opportunity to uh, to get to camp. Uh, the two drafted, uh, uh, as we know, and I know that the um, Euro Bears fan as well, David Montgomery to the Bears. I love this pick. I do. I believe he's going to be a thousand yard running back before it's all said and done uh he's he's got those type of skills hard not to root for david montgomery he's a chicago bear yeah pretty it, it was it was kind of a, a little bit surreal just kind of a, a world colliding type of situation just because i i would say no uh montgomery pretty well and then um you know following the bears as long as i have it was kind of it was interesting to kind of hear then um once chicago started having its press conferences with ryan pace and matt Nagy, um them kind of uh hear some of the same stories that we've heard at Iowa State and, and kind of, um, you know, r- repeat him a little bit and talk about his, his work ethic and some of the things he was able to do um, to kind of help elevate the Iowa State program. But I think it's a really good fit for him. Um, there was obviously a need there at running back after the Bears traded Jordan Howard in the offseason. Um, they brought in Mike Davis, who I think was last in Seattle. And then obviously they have Tariq Cohen, and all those guys do something a little bit different. So I think um, – Montgomery is going to have uh, a heck of an opportunity to go in and, and compete to, to get a bulk of the carries or at least get the, the nod as the feature back and, and really find his way in Chicago. So I think that was a good landing spot for him. Bit of a surprise. Akeem Butler still on the board as we began the final day of the draft. He was off the board quickly, though, with the first selection. Akeem Butler, questions, I, I guess, about the drops. Is, is that, you think, the reason that he lasted until the beginning of the fourth round? Yeah, I think the drops are a big part in then you kind of see the NFL going away mostly from those big body type of receivers. But obviously some came off the board like a, like a DK Metcalf and, and some of those guys that went before him. But the Cardinals had three with receivers they drafted in this, this past draft. And um, the first one they took was um, that I think is Isabella from UMass. He's uh, mm-hmm. a 5'8 yep. kid. So really kind of, um, you know, a little bit more of a shifty small guy. Um, so that I think, you know, Teams aren't necessarily going that small most of the time, but I think they are skewing that way a little bit just because of how offenses are evolving. But I think um, Arizona is a pre- pretty probably a pretty good spot for Akeem Butler too. Obviously, with Cliff Kingsbury coming in, um, he's an offensive mind. He can find different ways to use him and uh, put him in the best spots, and then have a Kyler Murray as your quarterback. He's obviously electric, accurate, um, 
uh, and dynamic all around. So I think um, there's going to be an opportunity for him, too, and it's going to be kind of fun to see uh, how he finds his niche because, obviously, you know, uh, Larry Fitzgerald's there, but he's, he's probably toward the, the end of his career here, so there could be opportunities coming down the road for him if he can kind of get that consistency piece. Uh, Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune. Dylan, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Akeem Butler's recruiting or not. I, I did see something that I didn't know, but again, I don't follow recruiting very, or real close. Um, I, I guess Butler wanted to play at Texas Tech and for Kingsbury at one spot, and he's got an opportunity to do so now with the pros. But do you remember that part of the recruiting process with Akeem Butler? Yeah, I think obviously him uh, going to high school in Texas and the Houston area, I think, um, you know, that would have been maybe a good fit for him or something he would have wanted at the time to stay in Texas and play for a guy like Cliff Kingsbury. But he was pretty lightly recruited just because um, he had a pretty extensive basketball background. And then obviously he moved from Baltimore to Houston with um, the Harrison twins, um, who were his cousins uh, after his mom's death. So I think um, there are a lot of different. Um, you know, ebbs and flows in, in his life, obviously, and, and certainly in his recruitment, and he was pretty lightly lightly looked at. And then, obviously, Lou Ianni came in, um, the former Iowa State running backs coach, and, and really made a push for him and ended up bringing him to Ames. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny that some of the, the parallels that happen in recruiting or the, the near misses, so to speak. But, um, yeah, I think that would have been, a, obviously, a kind of an interesting fit, him staying in Texas and going to play for Kingsbury. All right, uh, the other player that, Many people, myself included, expected to hear his name called. Didn't happen was Brian Peavy. He gets a rookie tryout, though, with the Arizona Cardinals. Size, he's not a big dude. Had the injury that he played through this season coupled with that, but, boy, the guy was just a playmaker. And with today's day and age, with so many slot receivers, so many three- and four-wide receiver sets, I figure at the very least he'd get his name called there in the seventh round. Injury, size, I know those are big parts there. How good of a chance do you see Peavy, though, Peavy, though having a chance to stick? Yeah, it'll be. It's obviously not till fine because he he was just invited to the mini camp, uh, the rookie mini camp. It wasn't an undrafted free agent deal, so it's a little bit more of a steep climb. But I think um, he, he's like Montgomery in some ways. Where Montgomery, you look at some of the stats and you think, oh, you know, it's kind of a you know interesting pick because he doesn't put up the kind of numbers maybe other guys do, unless yeah, you're looking at forced missed tackles, but. I think uh, with PV, you got to probably look at the film a little bit more because he is a little bit undersized. Um, he didn't run a great 40 at the pro day. So I think there are things that obviously kind of um, made him unattractive to people just when you look at the measurables. But I think, uh, like you mentioned, Trent, I think when you, you see how he impacts the game, um, the, the way he kind of goes about things, I think he can make, be a good fit. And um, certainly if he's able to be involved in special teams uh, at the next level, too, that's kind of how some guys at least get their in. Um, I think then he could uh, stick, whether it's with the Cardinals or, or somebody else. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a good shot. And, obviously, um, Cliff Kingsbury, too, he was a guy that kind of looked at Brian Peavy um, coming out of high school as well. So he's at least familiar uh, with him from the recruiting process and certainly playing against him um, you know, all those years in the Big 12. Uh, Dylan, last thing for you. So Brian Peavy... Uh, Mike Warren, Kyle Kemp, Willie Harvey all get tryouts. Matt Eaton actually got paid, right? Didn't the Packers sign him to an undrafted as an undrafted free agent? Yep, he, he actually got a deal. So, um, and then uh, Sam Steenbuckner was another guy that oh, got sure. a, a yep. tryout as well um, with with the Packers, I believe. Indeed, Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune. Dylan, thank you. We will uh, talk to you in the days to come. Thanks, Dylan Montz. 
Yep, thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, as he slides in here as we take a look at the Hawks and the Clones. One thing back to the Iowa just for a second. Mm-hmm. Matt Nelson um, signs Yep, and moving him to the offensive side of the football, which has been talked about in the last couple of weeks. But here's a guy who played his entire career on the defensive side of the ball. He's, what, 6'8"? Six, 6'8". Eight? Six, eight. Uh, Leverage to, probably a little difficult. Now, he's he wants to be a doctor, correct? Right. Yes, yeah. Good for him. Yes. Um, and, and good for the Lions taking a chance on him, mm-hmm. you know, if they can put him on the practice squad and if he shows signs that maybe, you know, his best uh, opportunity to play professional football is on the uh, on the offensive line. Why not? Developmental. Sure. Throw him out there, get, have him on the practice squad for a year and see if he can do that. Certainly mm-hmm. has the size. Yep. Can move his feet. A guy that played defensive end early in his career and then moved inside just because of numbers. So, And if it doesn't work out, He's got a pretty good backup yeah, plan, huh? Yeah, he certainly does. Matt Eaton, I love that signing, Trent. Yes. I, I thought that he was uh, played an underrated role. Look, Keem Butler is a star yes. at the college level. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to do very well in the pros as well. But Matt Eaton, was, um, it was he had a nice Iowa State career. He had a nice Iowa State career. And maybe fighting a roster spot with Alan Lazard. Yeah, of course. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, my God, the plot geez. thickens. All right, we've got, uh, speaking of plots, we've got a hell of a plot tonight unfolding here on these very airwaves. Uh, 7 o'clock is puck drop. It's game five. Yes, Milwaukee has even up this series at two. Uh, we're going to talk to Joe O'Donnell, the voice of the Iowa Wild, coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. And then Ben Kercheval will slide on here. We'll do a, the draft that uh, will expand it outside the footprint of Iowa and Iowa State. We'll take a look at the draft with with Ben Kercheval. He also was very uh, had a prominent role um at cbssports.com with the AAF, now oh, yeah. defunct AAF. I was surprised as many guys signed from there as they did though, Trent. I was. I didn't yeah. think many would get a chance. Good football. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I didn't see much of it, but yeah. Miller and Condon were on Des Moines Sports Station 1460.org. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you until noon, Joe O'Donnell. And Ben Kercheval in the 11 o'clock hour. Trent, just real quick, because mm-hmm. I know we only had literally like uh, two minutes tops here before the music will play. It's Derby Week. It is. I can't ever recall being as less enthused about this week on the calendar as I have been. Is it the horses involved? I, is it? I don't know. I'm just, I'd love, you know what it is? Is This race has kicked the you-know-what out of me. The yeah. last few years, because it's I've been, heard. yeah, uh, I, I refuse to bet the favorites in this race. And favorites have dominated this race for the last five or six years since they went to the new point system. Any reason for that? Is that the reason I, I that you that's, mentioned? That seems to be the only thing I can come up with. This was such a good betting race before. Mm-hmm. You know, you could narrow the field down from 20 to 12 and pick one or two keys. And then build around it. Yeah. And you're going to make money most times, right? I loved betting this race. It's taken all the fun out of it, watching one favorite after another. Sashay across the finish line, usually trained by Bob Baffert, so it's yeah. going to be a small price. I mean, I'm sure I'll get into it by before Saturday, but as of today, meh. I'm thinking about heading out and are betting. You, are you going to the, are you going to go to Prairie? Going to go to Prairie and got some buddies coming to town. I might meet you there. 
I, I, it's been a long time. <laughs> I, I'm not going to count yeah, on I that. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. I, I've heard this story before. No, I want because you know what? I want to go out. I haven't seen the race in sportsbook since it's been pardon our dust. Right. And I think you're going to be able to see, well, the sportsbook. I think you'll probably be able to see a lot more of it. More than just the bones yeah, that were there. right. So I want to see that. Um, so you got buddies that are going to meet you over there? Yeah, we, we're going to a concert on Saturday night. So my wife's actually away on a trip all week. So a little boy time that I got. Well, where, where's Ella? Well, she's with me all week. But then when my wife gets back, oh, I see Ella. what you're seeing. Yeah, my I'm going turn. with the boys. Yeah. Yes. Hope well, you had, she's in Pasadena, too. So. Oh, well, there's worse places to be than Pasadena. Right. My God. Yeah. So where'd she fly into? Burbank, I hope? She's flying right now. I don't even know. Oh, I hope she's going to Burbank. You don't want to go to LAX. Yeah. Burbank is close to Pasadena. I love Burbank Airport. One of my favorites in the world. Seriously. Yeah. Really good spot. All right. Now, 11 o'clock hour coming up next. Miller and Condon are here every Monday through Friday from noon or for, until noon, from 10 until noon. One more hour to go. Hope you can spend it with us. Trent and I are on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.